We'll turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 12. <clears throat> We're continuing, of course, our study in the Gospel of Luke. It's a great book. It's a powerful book. It presents Jesus Christ as the perfect man, the Savior, and the Christ. And, of course, as we're continuing, we're seeing Jesus. He's on his way to Jerusalem. Why? So he can die on the cross, pay for sin, and rise again and uh, deal with the sins of the world. He has come to fulfill his plan. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And as we look at this chapter, it's a long chapter, and it deals with a number of issues. But this morning, the subject that all of us who know Jesus Christ as Savior, we must know and understand, and that is we must realize that Christ is coming back. And when he comes, each one of us will give an account of ourselves to him. There are different aspects of his coming. His first coming to the earth, he came to die. That's what we're seeing in the Gospel of Luke. His second coming to the earth will be the song that Jeannie just sang as he comes as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But then there's an in-between in which he comes in the clouds, and we can make that application this morning. And when he comes, we're going to all stand before him, and we're going to give an account of ourselves. This is what's called the judgment seat of Christ. It has nothing to do with salvation because salvation is by faith. It has to do with rewards in our service. So as we look for the return of our Savior, Jesus Christ, we want to be faithful. This is the key, as Paul talks about being faithful. He uses some illustrations this morning. Excuse me, Jesus, as he talks through this, he uses some illustrations this morning uh, as he talks through this issue. We want to be encouraged to be faithful as we look for the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Well... From the song and from the things we've talked about, he's coming again. He's coming in the clouds to take us to be with him. This is often called the rapture. In Titus, it is called the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And when, we, when he comes to get us, we're going to stand before him. And we will give an account. Sounds scary, and, and it has nothing to do with our salvation, but it has to do with our service. Romans chapter 14, verse 12, each one of us give an account of ourselves. 2 Corinthians 5:10. we'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to be recompensed, to be rewarded for the things that we've done. For some, it will be a time of joy. He will say, well done, good and faithful servant. For others, it will be a time of shame, because the book of 1 John says we could be ashamed at his coming. What's the key? What does he want us to do while we are waiting? What do we need to do so that we can hear him say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Do we need to be successful? Do we need to be famous? What exactly is the key to the Christian life? Well, the Word of God is very clear, and that is we're to be faithful. Not necessarily famous, not numbers, not all of that, but faithfulness. 1 Corinthians 4.2, Moreover, brethren, it is required of stewards to be found faithful. And then we'll hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. As we await the return of our Savior, that is our goal. Our goal is to be faithful, to use the gifts, the talents, the abilities, the time, the possessions, all that he has given to us. We have seen in the last three to four weeks that everything we have comes from God and we're to use it for his glory. So as we continue this morning, we're going to think about that. And there are, there are a number of issues in our study, but two things stand out this morning. One is we're going to be talking about watching for his coming and being faithful as we wait. Well, let's begin. Jesus, of course, is on his way to Jerusalem. He has been confronted these religious leaders. He is teaching a large crowd. He's teaching his disciples. Chapter 12 is long. Of course, if you look at the Gospel of Luke, most of the chapters are long. There's just a lot in here because the Gospel of Luke, Luke gives us a lot of information, details about our Savior Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 12 has a number of issues. We've seen this before. This is the outline. First 12 verses were standing for Christ against religious leaders and, and of course, just the idea of standing for Christ. And then we saw dealing with possessions. And we saw even last week the seeking the kingdom. And the idea there was not be tied into this world but seek to live for Christ and have eternal things. Well, then we look 
look for this one, where we are this morning, looking for His coming. And we'll talk about the different comings and how it applies to us and where it fits in. And then the last thing that we'll see, which will be next week, Christ brings division. And He does when He comes. So this morning, we're going to see a challenge and a charge for each of us. And the question would be, how are we living? Are we faithful as we await the return of our Savior? Let me break down the passage. It's not a very long passage this morning. Verses basically 35 to 48. We're watching for Christ's return. Right, right, we're watching for Christ's coming. That's 35 through 40. We'll see how the application is there. And then being faithful as we wait. There's a lot to encourage us as we go through this. We want to be reminded as we uh, look for the glorious appearing of our Savior. Now, as we think through this passage, I want, I want you to think about three questions. Okay, Three questions. First question, when will Jesus come? Second question is, what are we to be doing while we're waiting for him to come? And number three, what will happen when he comes? So those three questions we want to think about as we go through the passage. Well, let's begin. I want to remind you that we're watching for Christ's coming. This is what he wants to teach his men. We saw last time that he told them about possessions and dealing with their lives and, and laying up treasure in heaven. And he was saying these things like, look, don't, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what clothes you're going to wear. Life is much more than that. He says what you really want to do is build your relationship with God and with others and know that one of these days He's going to come get you. And so use what you have for God's glory so that you can lay up treasure in heaven. From this, He reminds them that because He's going to be gone and He's coming back. And they have not put it all together. They don't understand everything. And, of course, most of us don't until you can put the Bible together and see how it fits. We don't get it all. But he is talking about that He's going to leave them and then He's coming back and He wants them to be watching for Him. Now, you know, and we'll think about, in just a second, we'll talk about the different comings of Christ and how it all fits. And so, watch what he says to them, verse 35. This is his key statement. Be dressed in readiness and keep your lamps lit. Now, that was an analogy at that time that he was saying, be dressed, keep your lamps lit. He's saying, be ready, because I could come at any second. Now, the word to be dressed was to gird up your loins. Back in those days, they, it was like they wore sheets and they had a belt around them. And when they got ready to run, since their outfits came down low, they would pick up the bottom and tuck it in right here so when they ran, they wouldn't step on the bottom of their, of their clothes. And so to gird up your loins or to be ready was saying, get ready to do something. And then he says, keep the lamps lit. Be ready. Keep the light on. You know, remember, we'll, hold, we'll keep the light on for you. Well, he's saying, keep the light on for me. Be ready. So that raises the first question, and that is this. When will Jesus Christ come? Well, sometimes it's confusing because Jeannie sang a song about he's coming as the king. Well, that's not the next thing. He's coming in the clouds. And you say, wait, wait a minute, he's going to come as the king. He's going to come in the clouds. Well, what about, well, I want you to understand there are three comings of Christ. There's the first coming of Christ to the earth. Now, this is to the earth. And he came, he was born in Bethlehem, he left the glories of heaven. Philippians 2 talks about leaving the glories of heaven and becoming a human being. He came, died on the cross, paid for sin. That's his first coming to the earth. There is a second coming to the earth. And that's the key. he comes as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He'll come to Jerusalem. That's the song Jeannie sang about. He's coming as the King, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There is another coming in between. It is not to the earth. It is in the clouds. He comes for his church, the rapture. That's us. One of these days, it could be any second. There are no signs for Jesus to come in the clouds to get us. There are a number of signs for the second 
coming as he comes as the king. And people throughout history have mixed it up. And you hear people say things like, you know, Jesus is going to come back just any day because all the signs, there aren't any signs. Not for the rapture. Not for the taking out of the church. And in this passage, he's talking to his apostles. And, and, the, and you could make an application for the second coming as a king to the nation of Israel. But you can also make the application that he's talking to these men who are ultimately not very long from now going to be, begin to be the church, the body of Christ. When we think about the rapture, realize that he's coming in the clouds and he could come at any time. There are no signs. He's going to come in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. The dead in Christ will rise first. We who are alive remain be caught up together with him. First Corinthians 15, it's going to be this twinkling and we're gone. So what does Jesus say to do? He said, look, be ready because I could come at any second. Do you live as if Jesus could come any second? You know, if we thought he could come at any second, do you think we'd live better? I mean, you don't want to be doing sin when he comes. And you go, oh, well, I'm sorry. Right? What do you want to do? You want to, in fact, First John says that when we expect his return, we will live pure lives. Because we want to be ready. Jesus says this. Be dressed in readiness. Keep your lamps lit. And then he's going to give some examples. He's going to talk about what's it like for somebody to be waiting and he uses an example of some servants waiting for the master. What, notice what he says, verse 36. Be like men who are waiting for their master when he returns from the wedding feast, so that they may immediately open the door to him when he comes and knocks. So he gives this picture. It's like the master, here's some, some servants, and they're back at the house, and the master says, I'm going to a wedding feast. And when they went to wedding feast in that day, there's no telling how long. A lot of them lasted seven days, sometimes longer than that, sometimes shorter than that. But basically he says, be ready when I come back. So they don't know when he's coming back, but they know he's coming back soon. So it says you want to be like men waiting for the master when he returns from the wedding feast so they may immediately open the door to him when he knocks. And so when he comes back, whether it's day or night, they want to be ready. They don't want him to come up there and go, okay, I'm back. Come on, where are they? What are you doing? They want to be at the door so when he knocks, they open the meeting and say, we were waiting for you. This is the picture. That as Jesus Christ comes in the clouds, we're waiting for him. Look what happens. Blessed, verse 37, blessed are those slaves whom the master will find on the alert when he comes. Truly, I say to you, that he will gird himself to serve and have them recline at the table and will come up and wait on them. Now, this is strange. It's saying the master comes back, knocks on the door, servants open it up right then, said, we've been waiting, we've been waiting, lights are on. And he says, you guys, get over there. I'm going to get you guys something to eat. Here, rest for a minute. Let me feed you. You know what that picture is? When Jesus Christ comes in the clouds and takes us to be with him, one of these days we're going to get with him. And you know what we're going to do? There's going to be the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we're going to get to sit down and eat with him. That's what the picture is. And so he says, Blessed are those slaves when the master finds them on the alert when he comes. Truly I say to you, what he's going to do is he's going to serve them. He's going to eat with them. And that's a very unusual picture because how many servants got to eat with the master? Not very often. The marriage supper of the Lamb. We as the servants of Jesus Christ will eat with the master. He says, Be watching. Notice. Whether he comes, verse 38, whether he comes in the second watch or even in the third watch, 
and finds them so blessed are those slaves. He says it's really blessed for the servants that when he comes, whether it's the second watch or the third, that he finds them waiting for him. Now, what does it mean, second watch or third watch? Jewish, Jewish, the way they timed things, they had three watches of the night. From 6 o'clock in the evening to 10 o'clock in the evening was the first watch. From 10 to 2, 2 in the morning, second watch. From 2 to 6 was the third watch. So if somebody came in the third watch of the night, they would come 2, 3, 4 in the morning. He says they're watching whether he's coming at the second watch or the third watch. I mean, whether he's coming after 10, 11, 12, 1, 2, 3. It doesn't matter. They're waiting and watching. He says, now, blessed, blessed are those servants, whether he comes in the second watch or even in the third watch. He finds them waiting for him. As believers, we're to be waiting for our Savior. We're watching for the blessed hope. He could come at any second. Where is he now? He is seated at the right hand of the throne of the Father, preparing a place for us. You remember what he told him? He says, it's expedient to you that I go away. In my Father's house there are many rooms. I'm going to go prepare a place for you. When, it, when I get it ready, I will come back and get you. That's a picture. That's a picture of the bridegroom and the bride. We're the bride of Christ. He has told us, I'm going to prepare a place for you when I get it ready. I will come back and get you. He is seated at the right hand of the throne of the Father now, preparing things for us. One of these days, any second, any time, he's going to come in the clouds. There'll be the trump of God, the shout, the voice of the archangel, and the dead in Christ will rise first. We who are alive and remain will be caught up together with him. Thus we'll be with him. What should we be doing? We should be watching. When could he come? He could come at any second. He sees the right hand of the Father. Be on the watch. He says, now, be careful. Remember, be watching. Verse 39. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known what hour the thief was coming, he would not have allowed his house to be broken into. He says, you've got to be watching as if you're watching for somebody who's maybe breaking into your house. He says, you know, the head of the house, if he knew when the thief was coming in, it wouldn't have happened. We don't know when Jesus is coming, but we're going to have to be ready. We're going to have to be watching. What does it mean to be ready? And we'll talk about it in just a second. That idea of using the gifts, talents, and abilities to look for His blessed hope and the, uh, the glory superior and to, to be ready, to be serving, to be using all that He has, has given to us for His glory, looking for His return. And we said a while ago, if you're living your life in such a way that you believe that He's going to come any second... You will live differently than if you were to say, I don't know when he's coming. I don't even know if he's ever coming. You know, I don't know how all these passages fit, so I'm just going to live my life as if I've got 50 more years, 70 more years, who knows? You never know. Be ready. He reminds the apostles and, of course, us by application, verse 40, you too, be ready. For the Son of Man is coming in an hour that you do not expect. Remember, they've asked Jesus two or three times, when are you coming? What's it going to be like? What's it going to be? He says, not for you to even know. Not for you to even know. Whether it's coming in the clouds, we're not going to know. Even when he comes the second time, that won't be dealing with us. It'll be dealing with the tribulation. They don't know exactly when he's coming then. We know there's signs, and it'll be the end of that seven-year time period. But what day or an hour he comes, nobody knows. He says, you too be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Now he's dealing with the fact that he's going to die and rise again. He's going to go up to heaven and then he's coming back. Watch for his coming. Philippians chapter 3 verse 20 and 21 says, For us 
to wait for the descent of our Savior Jesus Christ who's going to come and change our bodies to be like His and take us up with Him. The First Thessalonians passage that I quoted a while ago about the dead in Christ rise first, we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with Him. It's powerful. Now, right in the middle of this, Peter asked a question. And you know, Peter, sometimes we say, I'm glad Peter asked the question, but you know, it's sort of like, it sounds like a dumb question, but we all had the same question. And so we're glad Peter's always the spokesman. And Peter said, verse 41, Lord, are, are you addressing this parable to us or to everyone else as well? Now his question is, is this just for us or just for us leaders, for, just for us apostles that you're saying for us to be ready? Or does this go for everybody? I mean, is this for everybody that should be thinking about being ready? Well, that deals really with our second question. And that is, what are we to be doing? Because he's going to tell them, yes, this is going to deal with everybody. He doesn't directly answer the question. He doesn't say, Peter, I'm talking to everyone. But by his answer, you can tell he's dealing not just with the apostles, but for everyone. And what are we to be doing? We are to be faithful. We are to be waiting for Christ's return. Understand the culture. Now, this is something that's incredible because he's going to give some information. In that day and time, a lot of households had a servant or a slave, which was called the steward of the house. And you're the master, and you have the steward. And you say to the steward, listen, take care of the house. I've got places to go, things to do. You're in charge. You make sure everybody's fed. You make sure the house is clean. You make sure everything's taken care of. You make sure all my possessions are taken care of. You use wisely everything that I've given to you. I've got other things to do, but I'll be coming back, checking on everything. A wise steward, an oikonomos was the Greek word, which means the law of the house. His job was to oversee the household. And when the master would come back, we want, he wanted the master to say, good job, well done. God has left us on this earth. Each one of us, we are stewards of what God has entrusted to us. He's the master. We have the things that he's given to us, and we're to wisely use it. And one of these days, he's coming back and checking on us, so to speak. And we want to hear him say, good job, well done, good and faithful servant. The steward would give an account. He has been entrusted. We have been entrusted with the gifts, the talents, the abilities, the times, the possession. All we have given, been given from God, and we're to use it for God's glory. Well, what are we supposed to be doing? That's the second question. What are we doing while we're waiting? Verse 42, And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and sensible steward whom his master will put in charge of his servants to give, him, give them their rations at the proper time? He says, Now, who is going to be a faithful servant? And notice how he describes him. Who then is the faithful and sensible steward? Who's going to be that way? Because what the master does, he puts him in charge of the rest of the household of his servants to give them their rations at the proper time. A faithful and wise servant is going to carry out what the master has to do. He's going to run the household. We're to use what God has given to us to use for his glory. So, are you a wise steward? Are you a faithful steward? That's what he says. Who is the faithful and sensible steward? And we could raise the question to every one of us in this room. It doesn't matter how young you are. and doesn't matter how old you are. With the gifts, talents, abilities, times, possessions, and everything that God has given to you, you're to use them for His glory. You're to be the wise and sensible and faithful steward. And you're to, you've been entrusted, I've been entrusted, we all have what God has given us, 
and we're to use it for His glory. It's powerful. Now, here's the question. First one is, when's He going to come? Well, He came the first time to die. He's coming the second time to the earth to reign. But He's going to come in the clouds to get us. And there's no timetable there. So when could He come? When's He going to He could come at any second. Well, what are we supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be faithfully serving Him. Using what we have while we wait. So that takes us to question number three. Is what will happen when he comes? What will happen when he comes? Well, there's the key. For the faithful steward, for the faithful servant, there will be rewards and blessings. For the unfaithful servant, there will be shame and punishment. There will be a, a loss of rewards, a loss of, of, the, of, the, of great things that, God, that you, we could have had. So let's look first at the faithful one and its rewards. That's what's going to happen. Look what he goes on to say uh, in verse 43. Blessed, blessed is the slave. Blessed is the slave whom his, master, whom his master finds so doing when he comes. He's doing what the, ma- that the master told him to do. Blessed is the slave. Blessed is the servant. Blessed are us when we're doing what God wants us to do when he comes. And you could say, well, what does God want me to do? Oh, let's get practical. He wants you to take the gifts, the spiritual gifts, the talents, the natural abilities and talents that He's given you. He wants you to take your money, your possessions, your time, and your life and use them for His glory. He wants you to make disciples. That is to lead people to Christ and train them, equip them. He wants you to help other people grow as Christians. He wants you to use all that you have for His glory. So you get practical. Everything you have belongs to God. You're to use it for His glory. And so he says, blessed, really, it's going to be great. Blessed is that slave whom his master finds him so doing when he comes. Faithfully doing all that God has for him to do. Notice verse 44. Truly I say to you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. That's rewards. He rewards him for his service and faithfulness. When he comes back, he says, you've done such a good job on this. Here, I want you to do this. I'm going to let you have this and oversee this and do this. And one of these days when Jesus Christ comes and gets us and rewards us and we serve him not only into the kingdom but in eternity, he says, because you were faithful here, I have this for you. The verse up there, 2 Corinthians 5.10, which shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. The word judgment is the word bema, B-E-M-A. It means rewarding stand. We will all stand before the rewarding stand of Christ to be recompensed, given back, rewarded for the things that we've done in this body, whether they are good. And most translations read the word bad. The word bad means worthless. We're gonna, he's going to reward you. He's going to look at you and say, that's good. I'm going to reward you. That's worthless. You're not getting anything for that. Faithful servants, he says, well done. Good and faithful servant. An unfaithful servant. What's he going to do? We'll see it in just a second. But for the faithful, when he comes, he says, Blessed is that slave whom his master finds him so do when he comes. I tell you, he's going to put him in charge of all his possessions. If you live for Jesus Christ now, if you give him your life and you serve him and you take all the things that God's given you and you say, God, they're really yours. I'm just a steward and I just want it to count for you and I want my life to count for you and I'll fulfill the Great Commission. I want to equip the saints to do the ministry. I want to build up the body of Christ. I want to make disciples. I want my life to count for you. When you stand before him, he's going to say, well done. And let me tell you, I'm going to reward you. 
as we go into a kingdom in which he'll rule in Jerusalem as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, you'll be rewarded. You'll have positions of responsibility and places of service. And as you go on into the eternal state, which you find in Revelation chapters 21 and 22, you'll be of rewards and positions of responsibility. The Bible's clear on that. A lot of people don't like to talk about that. But God rewards faithful servants. What about the unfaithful servants? We have to read this verse carefully, these next two verses carefully, because some people take them the wrong way. The second one is, what, what about the unfaithful? They'll be shamed when he comes. We'll talk about it in just a second. But look what he says. But if that slave says in his heart, my master will be a long time in coming, and begins to beat the slaves, both men and women, to eat and to drink and to get drunk. What about one who's not faithful? Who doesn't oversee the household? Who doesn't use the, the possessions? Who does, doesn't wisely take what, what the master gave him and use them? In fact, what he does is take advantage. Uses everything for themselves. What's going to happen? And there are a lot of believers. There are a lot of people who have trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior and they've never served him. They've never used the gifts, talents, and abilities. Some of them don't even know what their gifts are. Some of them say, well, I, you know, I know I ought to be doing this, but there's just so many other things that I really want to do and so many other things I need to do. They're not realizing everything they have comes from God. It's all his grace in their life. So there's unfaithful believers. What happens? He says, but that slave that says in, my, in his heart, my master's going to be a long time in coming. I don't know when he's coming back. I'm, you know, I'm 30. He may, he may, I'm, I'm going to probably live to be 80. That's 50 years. And who knows when he's coming back. And, and, you know, all kind of people, they don't know what to think about the Scripture. So who knows? I'm just going to do my own thing. Verse 46, the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him and an hour he does not know. I'm going to stop for a second because the last part of the verse, some people get really upset on it because they're misreading it. The master's going to come when he's not expecting. They're not ready. They're not ready. They haven't lived for Jesus Christ. It says he will cut him into pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. Now, the word unbelievers is a pretty bad translation. It's really the unfaithful. That's what the word means. He will assign him a place with the unfaithful. He's not referring to people who do not know Christ as Savior. He's referring to those who are unfaithful as those who know Christ as Savior. And he's going to assign him a place with the unfaithful. There are those well done, good, and faithful servants. Get over here. You got this. You that are not faithful... Over here. It has nothing to do with eternal life. It has nothing to do with salvation. It has nothing to do with whether you're going to be in the kingdom or not. And it has nothing to do with whether you're going to be in the eternal state or not. This has to do with your positions of responsibility and the rewards that you will have in the kingdom and in the eternal state. So don't misread this. He's not saying if you don't live right, you won't go to heaven. If you don't live right, you won't have rewards and places of responsibility in the kingdom and in the eternal state. And so he says, for the guy who's faithful, I'm going to put you in charge of all this. But the guy who's not faithful, and he uses a graphic statement, I'm going to cut you to pieces. Meaning there is great discipline coming. And I'm going to assign him a place with the unfaithful. And then he explains about this whole idea of leadership and responsibility. And the greater the responsibility, the greater the, the gifts and talents and abilities, the greater things that God has given, the more responsible you are. Now, let me tell you something. We don't always think about it this way. But as far as material things, 
Every one of us in this room have been given far more than most anybody else in this world. Not only in this world at this time, but in this world for all time. We are the richest people in the world. We have more possessions and more things that we are responsible for. We have been given so much. All of us in this room who know Christ, you've been given spiritual gifts, talents, abilities, and time, possessions. We've been given all that. What are we going to do with it? The greater the responsibility, the greater what's going to happen with that. And what happens, the greater the rewards, the greater the punishment. Look what he says. To the slave who knew his master's will, did not get ready, or act in accord with his will, he will receive many lashes. There's going to be discipline. There's going to be loss of rewards. There's, the idea there is, is a loss of closeness, a loss of place. The more gifted, the more we're responsible, notice, but the one who did not know it. When he didn't know very much, when he committed deeds of worthy, uh, worthy of flogging, will receive just a few. There's less discipline. Why? For everyone who has been, everyone who has been given much—that's us, by the way—much will be required. And to whom that have been entrusted much of him, they will ask all the more. Now, in this room, we've all been given much. We've all been given. More than just about anybody else, not only in the world, but that's ever existed in this world. We're going to stand before our Savior and much will be required. He will say, how did you use those thousands of dollars that I gave you and those possessions that I gave you? And those spiritual gifts that I gave you and this building that I gave you? And the possessions and all the things. How did we use that? Did we use it for His glory? The unfaithful there, we're not going to have. They're not going to have the same blessings. There will be shame at His coming. And He says, the one who did not know it, verse 48, you know, worthy of of, of just receive a few. But everyone who has been given much, much will be required. And whom they've entrusted much of Him, they will ask the more. The more that's been given to us, the greater that will be required. You know, if you're a teacher, if you're a leader, if you're a pastor, if you have great responsibilities, great possessions, the greater the opportunities, the more accountability. That's why James says, let, not let everybody be a teacher, because a teacher has a stricter judgment. The more God has entrusted to you, the more you are responsible. And as a people, as a local church, look what He's given to us. Wow. The picture is the servant waiting for the master. There'll be blessing. The unfaithful one will be the loss of rewards. The faithful will be blessing and rewards. When he comes, every one of us in this room, each of us in this room who know Christ as Savior, you'll stand before him. Realize that as we look for the return of Jesus Christ, we're to be faithfully serving Him. Let me give you the applications. Let's think through it really quickly. Number one, let's be looking for the return of our Savior. Let's think about it. He could come at any time. First time He came to die to the earth. Second time He comes to the earth as King. But in between, He's coming in the clouds. That's for us. He could come at any second. So be ready. As First John says, live in a pure way so that as we're looking for His coming because He could come today. When you wake up in the morning, what you could say is... Today could be the day. It could be the day. This could be the last day on this earth as we know it. Because He's going to take you out. 
be looking for the return. And as you do that, number two, let's be faithfully serving Christ as we await his return. A, he will reward our faithfulness. 2 Corinthians 5.10, we'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ to be rewarded. 1 Corinthians 3, there'll be gold, silver, and precious stone. There'll be rewards. Romans 14.10 through 12, he says, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall give praise to God. Therefore, each one of us will give an account of ourselves to God. He will reward faithfulness. All that you have. Use for the glory of God. Be a faithful one to say, Lord, take my life. Use me for your glory. The hard part, B, there will be shame if we are unfaithful. If you're not using what God's giving you for his glory, and the more that you have, the more you're responsible for, there will be a loss, a loss of rewards. There will be shame, a loss of close fellowship. There will be discipline. We do not want to be ashamed at his coming because one day we will give an account, and we want him to say, Well done, good and faithful servant. May we be faithful servants of our Savior Jesus Christ as we await his return for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you, Lord. We just want our lives to count for you. We want to be looking for the return of Jesus. We know he could come at any second in the clouds. We want to be pure men and women. We want to live in such a way that uh, we're looking for his coming. We want to live in such a way that that, uh, we want to be faithfully serving him with all that you've given us. Lord, you've given us so much. And we want to take the gifts, the talents, the possessions, the time, all of the things that you've given us and use them for your glory because we want to hear you say, well done. Lord, we do not want to be ashamed at your coming. May we live in such a way, we faithful servants of Jesus Christ, as we await your return. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.